0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Kells, episode 406, coming to you on April the 28th of 2023, and some thoughts for the weekend. I uh, ran across a sign out front of a church. Now, in fairness, in my humble opinion, church might not be the right term to describe it, I mean, I drive all over the metroplex of Dallas and I see anything from uh, lives matter to social justice church. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not what my understanding is. But one that piqued my interest yesterday was God is on the side of the marginalized. Think about that for a second. So now I want to preface this. This is uh, from a UMC. Uh, location right um, for those you who don't know that's United Methodist Church, and what's interesting to me is I think Mr. Wesley must have rolled over in his grave about fifteen hundred times at this point from all the things that have been done at the church that he started or founded, if you will but the idea that God is on the side of the marginalized I mean that sounds nice it's it's a really pretty platitude. And I guess there's some evidence to suggest that it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. But I don't believe that's what they're preaching. I don't believe that's what they're teaching in that church. I think they're using that as a inroad into justifying other people's behavior, sinful actions. Um, God hates sin. That's pretty clear. It's all over the text that we reference when looking to see what God's teaching is, or what his expectations are. So, you can't say that certain sinful behaviors are now okay because those people are marginalized. That's foolish and it's going to lead to your destruction. That being said, we're all sinners, right? I mean, even Paul said he was the greatest of among sinners, right? Where we all have fallen short. That the expectation is that we have to come before our creator God at some point. But it's interesting to me that this church, aka uh, UMC location, has determined that they know the secret. It reminds me of the idea that you know, during the War of Northern Aggression, the War of Succession, both sides claimed that God was on their side. You go over to World War One, and the Germans actually had a belt buckle. God is on our side. Now, now the British would have argued vehemently the other way. Uh, At this point, I think the French had pretty much rejected God. So that may have not been relevant to the French. But certainly the Russians and the Orthodox Church would have thought that God was on their side. So it's always seemed pretty simple to me. It's more of who's on God's side, right? There's a refrain from a song that I really enjoy, you know, who's on the Lord's side. So if you're aligned with the God of the Bible, then you're on his side. He's not on your side. You're on his side. And, you know, an interesting aside, you know, going through some of the Old Testament scriptures here in the last month or so, talks about, you know, well, they got this king in uh, Israel, now these are God's chosen people, right? At the time, they were they were his set-aside group that was supposed to carry out his uh, works or his business, if you will, and whenever they rejected him, it didn't work out so well for him. So he was on their side insofar as that they were his chosen people, but when they rejected him, there was a pretty serious consequence, right? So it's really not about whose side is God on. This is whether or not you're on God's side. Now, the other interesting facet of this whole thing is you know, other religions claim to be on the side of God or that God's on their side. And clearly in the Old Testament, that didn't work out for anybody that came up against Yahweh when he was uh, properly revered by his people. He delivered them multiple times and wiped out his enemies. To the best of my knowledge, the same can't be said for Dagon, Moloch, Ishtar, um, whatever other various you know gods, if you will, scare quotes from that time period I think some of the Islamists may say, well, that's worked out because Allah's given us you know all these great victories, and while I can concede that part of the argument, I think it's really more a, a situation where various other people have abandoned Yahweh and their judgment. Was Islam coming in? I mean, that's probably more in track of what we learned from the Old Testament stories, right? And uh, by calling them stories, we're not disputing the inerrancy of Scripture. Just put that out here: it's a story told by the Bible, all right? Historical, whatever you want to call it. Just I'm not going there. Forget. It. All right, but the idea, the underlying issue here is: if you stand firm. If you stand with what the clear dictates are from our Holy Father, I mean, it's not that hard. And we have a seemingly unending supply of the latest um, worm tongues that get in positions of authority or influence that proceed to tell us how they've reinterpreted the Bible. And almost always it rejects something that was very, very clear in the Old Testament scripture because they found some wiggle room or developed some kind of wiggle room from something in the New Testament. I mean, it's gotten so bad as that Charles Stanley's son, Andy, has basically rejected the scriptures. I mean, how do we get to this? And the guy gets to run around and claim to be a Christian at this point. Uh, you know, I can't judge somebody's heart. I can say that their teachings wrong. I can say that, uh, certain teachings are clearly heresy. Some teachings are highly suspect, but I don't know what's in their heart. You could say you could judge them by their actions and by their fruit. And that's a fair statement, but I don't know that person well enough that I feel comfortable judging that the, the, uh, thing is, is that usually somebody that's haughty enough to come out and say that I'm a Christian, I know how to act like it, or that I do act like it, is probably one that needs their ego checked at the door. I mean, if we're honest, we all know we fail. We we all don't uphold that standard. Yet, apparently the United Methodist Church in uh, Dallas has determined that, the more that you ignore it, (laughs) or the least of these that reject God are clearly the ones that he's on the side of. Uh, At least that was my understanding. I'm sure they might have a slightly more nuanced version of what they're trying to say on their billboard, but it's interesting, isn't it? The concept that you should stand firm on the scripture, you should stand firm on what you were taught, or you should stand firm on what's clearly known to be the will of God That's something that we reject all the time because we as humans declare ourselves wise and we know better. And how does that work out for us? At this point, I'm going to guess that if there are any agnostic or atheist folks, they've already checked out, and I'm sorry. But every once in a while, we've got to revisit this issue because there can be no Western culture apart from Christianity. And honestly, even the Eastern Western culture won't exist without Christianity. The two go hand in hand. So you can reject the faith in a creator God, but you have to acknowledge that Christianity exists and there is no Western culture without it. You have to at least give us that. Now, granted, you can be like Rousseau or the French uh Revolutionists and think that you can do better and that you're smarter. You can try that. It generally doesn't work out too well. You can ask Robespierre. <laughs> I'm going to change topic briefly here because th- there are more than one thought that I want to get out for this uh, weekend edition, if you will, the Friday afternoon. <sighs> I've heard, and I've said it myself, when I meet people that have relocated here recently, I said, wow, you've made it to the promised land. Congratulations. And I really think that there is a vast quantity of the folks that are coming here from other states or even other countries that think they have indeed made it to the promised land. And to be sure, Texas is so much better than so many other states by so many measures. Is it perfect? No. Is it absolutely a quote unquote conservative paradise? <laughs> no. Uh do our people make mistakes? Yes. Do our people have false starts? Yes. Does the state muck things up from time to time? Yes. And that muck and that mire that we live in is part of living in a society of fallen people. But the real issue is when you've come here and, and I've talked about this time and time again, and I, and I want to remind you all, I am a Midwesterner. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I spent a couple of years in Virginia, courtesy of the United States Navy, went back to Wisconsin and moved to Texas. I left everything but my love of frozen custard and butter burgers and probably cousin subs back in Wisconsin. I came here to become a Texan. My uh, speech pattern hasn't fully adapted, but by and large, I'm as bought as Texan as you can be as a uh, relocated individual. I have now officially lived in Texas longer than anywhere else in my entire life. By what I've been told by the old timers when I moved here, is that I can claim to actually be a Texan, or if you will, a Texian. And if you're familiar with, with the history of Texas, there was a whole lot of Texians that were in a place called the Alamo and probably in Goliad. A good number of them came from Tennessee, which is why it's called the volunteer state, right? They volunteered to go to Texas. I mean, I'm sure there's other stories, but that's one of the big things that I, my takeaway, my thing that I remember. People come here from other places and they adopt Texas. Texas embraces them. But when you do that, there's a certain expectation that you're going to fight for Texas. You're you're going to you're going to do what you can to protect Texas. Sadly, while a good number of the people that are relocating here recently, especially, are nominally conservative, nominally Christian, nominally Republican, whatever proviso you want to put on there, whatever nuance you want They believe that they made it to the promised land and they're out of the battle. I'm here to tell you folks. No, it's right here. It's right now. We need you. We need you to put your boots back on, put your belt on and get to work. The reason being is for at least two full generations, probably much longer, but for at least two full generations, the uh, locals the conservatives they took their eyes off the ball they were so concerned about the state house or the feds that they ignored the schoolhouse we've got at least two generations of little socialists that have been grown up and raised that way so much so that they actually are looking to undo what texas is they feel guilty for being texas they they hate the fact that they're white i mean look there's plenty of uh, Tejanos that were here when Texas formed. I mean, should we hate on them too? It's just silly. We shouldn't hate on anybody for some happenstance of history. We're supposed to judge people on the character, right? Yeah, okay. But he was a progressive too. Just like the guy that uh, led the charge to subjugate the South. He was a progressive too. And until you can understand that, wrap your head around that, progressives don't want you to be able to think for yourself. They don't want you to be able to deviate. They don't want you to be able to go your own way. Sometimes when people go their own way, they get it wrong. Sometimes people make mistakes, but they have to be willing to come back on their own accord. They have to be willing to acknowledge what the mistake was. And <laughs> to, borrow, to borrow a uh, Christian word, they have to repent. <laughs> They will be welcomed back. But if you're coming to the promised land thinking that you can relax, take your shoes off, enjoy what's here. You can, but you also have to go back to work. You have to remember why you're here, why you left where you came from. And you have to protect your children and your grandchildren. Unfortunately, we didn't do a good job of that here in Texas. You know, I did the best with my daughters that I could, and I'm sure there's a whole lot of other parents that did the best that they could. But honestly, when you abdicate your responsibilities for education of the next generation, you ought not be surprised when they reject all that you believe. And to me, that's the biggest problem. That's the thing that we have to correct. Correct. So when we've got these folks running for the school district, and honestly, I'm sure that we can nitpick every candidate in every race, you have to take the best that you can get. And I say it once, I've said it twice, I'll say it one more time today. Look, if there's an incumbent school board member that is left of center and somebody right of center is running You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your children. You owe it to your grandchildren to vote for them. Why? Hey, they may not be perfect. They they may not have been your first choice because maybe your candidate chose not to run or, you know, there's more than one candidate, but you got to vote for the one that's marginally better. We have to vote for the marginally better candidate each and every time. That's the only way we're going to push back. It's the only way we're going to grasp back what once was Texas. There is no 100%. There is no absolute perfect you know, representation of you anywhere except for you. But if somebody meets that threshold of 80% with no deal breakers, then yes, you support that person. You back them up. You encourage others to go support them. Unfortunately, we get lost in that and we, we want the perfect. And in this case, the perfect is the enemy of the good. We shoot ourselves in the foot because we're so concerned that we get the absolute perfect candidate that we miss out on perfectly good candidates that can get us where we need to be going. Is it better to lose with a perfect candidate than win with a significantly better candidate than the current person? I think we all know the answer to that. You have to keep fighting. You have to be willing to say no. You have to be willing to push back. You have to be willing to take a little heat on social media. You have to be willing to go to your church and say, yeah, I'm not good with that. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to the idea of, are we on the same team? You know, again, let me recap this. I don't believe that God's on anybody's side. I believe that we are are on his side, right? Are we standing with the Lord is really what the question is. And if you reject that, that's okay. Insofar so far as I'm not going to argue that with you, I know I'm right. And you can just not like it, <laughs> but that also means you have to stand firm. If you believe you're right, you stand firm, which is exactly what I'm doing. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. Stand firm on your convictions. We'll have an adult conversation. And if there's things that we can agree to work on, to our mutual benefit, to move the ball the way I want it moved or the way we agree to want it moved. Great. If not, I'm not changing my principles. And honestly, I don't expect you to change your principles. But if we can't have a principled dialogue back and forth, we're never, ever going to improve the situation. And then, yes, of course, Texas is so much better than so many other states and countries, but it can't stay that way if you're not willing to do the work you got here. But you got to be prepared to continue to work, to continue to carry on the fight. And that means that sometimes you have to work with people that aren't exactly in perfect alliance with you. They're not exactly the perfect person. You know, I look at it this way. And if you're former military, you get this, right? and and I've referenced this once or twice before, I'm sure, I was a Navy guy. I did it for a short time. I never saw action. So I don't wear it on my sleeve. I don't beat people up about how I'm a big veteran and whatever else. That's just not me. That's, That's not where my head is at. I have nothing but respect for anybody that put on their uniform and went and served their country. Whether I agree with what they were doing when they served the country, that's a different story. But I respect what they did in volunteering and sacrificing themselves to what they believed was the greater good. We're on the same team. So if you've got that uh, Marine uniform, you know, it's fun to say, oh yeah, yeah, Uh, eating those crayons or you know, whatever else in their usual retort is, yeah, we're the men's department of the Navy, whatever, whatever. And we all make fun of the air force, AKA the chair force. And then of course there's the army, which is a couple sandwiches short of a lunch, right? I mean, these are the usual jabs that go back. And then, you know, I've been called a swabby, a squid, um, some other things I can't say out loud. And that's okay. As long as it's somebody else that served as well because we're on the same team. It's like a family. Somebody wants to come and lob insults or attack my brother, well, he's going to have to contend with me as well. Now, they may ultimately win, but it's not going to be easy. Likewise, in the military, yeah, you can talk smack about the other branches. That's given. But when somebody else that never served wants to come in and run their mouth, no, no, no. Now you pick the wrong fight. It really needs to be that way, when we're talking about Texas, when we're talking about Texans and Tejanos, we need to be willing to say is, yeah, OK, um, I don't agree 100% with this guy on politics, but we both want what's best for Texas. We both think Texas is special and we want to defend it. We both agree that there's something here that's worth defending. We want the border shut. We want the feds out. We want to do these things. And yeah, we might not agree on a specific candidate or a specific issue, but we both want these things. We're on the same team. And we'll talk smack about each other. I mean, look, it's well known I'm not a fan of COS. But I believe the vast majority of the people in the grassroots that are in COS are really good people. And they're people I want to be aligned with. And they're people I want to work with. So I do so. Willingly. Openly. And I will defend them, the ones that I know personally. And I expect that they would do the same for me because we're on the same team. We want what's best for our country, for our state. And we're willing to show up and quote, do battle. Sometimes more literally than metaphorically, but we're willing to do that because it's a worthwhile investment. It's, it's where we're banking on making a difference. So, yes, yeah, I, I do believe that if we stay on the Lord's side, we're in a really good position. If we, if we know where we stand, we know what we believe, we're going to stand there and hold firm. We're, we're going to show up for the battle ready to fight if necessary. We're not going to look for a fight, but we're prepared to defend ourselves if the time should come. But we just need to remember that those that are allied with us, we're on the same team. Now, you may remember that uh, I referenced Nehemiah, right? The idea that sword in one hand, trowel in the other. You're prepared for battle, but you keep doing your work. And I want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, that that's what we need to be doing every day, all the time. And, and look, I get it. Exhaustion sets in. You get worn out. You need a break. Respectfully, you need to take those breaks. You do. I don't care if it's one day, one week. I even understand a sabbatical. Maybe you take a month off and just say, I I need a break. I, gotta, I just need to focus on getting my ducks in a row at home or at work. I, I can't deal with all this other stuff. I get it. I respect it. Honestly, we're all been there. We may hit it there again. If you can't take that time out, then there's really nothing worth fighting for, right? I mean, if you don't have a family at the end, what was the point? The same could be said if you don't have a Texas at the end. What was the point? Oh, well, you know, I set enough money aside so I can retire and go uh, sit in my condo on the uh, shorefront of the Gulf and not worry about anything else. Mm, Okay, yeah, right, until those riots start down the road in Houston and they come and pay you a visit. What good was that? Now, maybe you saved up enough money that you can flee over to Florida, but what makes you think it won't be in Florida too? Look, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just reminding you. We have a duty, especially those of us that would serve. We took an oath. There's no expiration date on that. We got to do what's best for our country. We got to do what's best for Texas. We got to do what's best for our family. And that means we have to be sure of why we're doing it and what we're doing. And with that, this has been according to Callus, just a little thoughtful recollection or <laughs> whatever you want to call it for the weekend. Uh, I'm not I don't have a good title yet. I, I'm sure I'll come up with one. <laughs> and you know, I got started today. I, I kind of skipped some of the intro, but you know what you can do for me. The algorithm has not been friendly this week. You can like, you can share, and you you can subscribe to this show. You can follow me on the social media. Hey, I got a website. I got I'm I'm on Gab. I'm on Facebook. I even go to me we still. I got a Telegram channel. It's all at According to Callous. And if you feel like hey the guy doesn't ask for money. He doesn't really want anything from us. Well, you're you're right. And maybe at some point in the future that changes. But for right now, all I would ask you to do is rate and review the show. Take five minutes out, do me a solid. It helps us out. Helps us continue to fight the good fight. And honestly, between being a cheerleader and a recruiter, I don't know what else I should be doing right now. (laughs) Enjoy your weekend.